Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to another uh, beautiful day of quarantine. Um, today's list is my top 10 personal favorite sequels of all time. Now, uh, originally, this was going to be all sequels, like video games, movies, TV shows. But I started to make the list, and it became like 80% movies, 20% video games. And I couldn't really think of any TV shows. Um, although, probably with more time, I could have. But to make this easier for myself and probably make a you know, more organized list. I'm just going to do movies. Um, again, this is all really, I mean, not, it's all kind of loose. Um, I have thought about the ranking, um, but I actually, if I took a look at it again, and I have looked at it on two different occasions, I'd probably change stuff around all the time. So, but this is just what came off the top of my head. Um, and my criteria is sequels that not only are better than the first movie in my opinion um but they elevated the series to a new height that people didn't even think could happen uh to the series so i think i left out and probably maybe ranked some sequels on here too low for their actual quality but that's because they were just good sequels and didn't um like elevate the series to new heights like i said or change the direction or um, something really uh, uh, surprising for people. So let's get started. Uh, my number 10 is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, this is a personal favorite for me, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it so many fucking times. Um, I think this one is just here because I do think I like it more than the first one. I don't exactly think it elevates it to anything crazy. Uh, at least crazier than the first one. I do think the stunts are better and cooler. I think the story's better uh, and cooler. The characters are a little more rich in this one. Although I do miss Marion uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Temple of Doom, I'm not a huge fan of, period. Um, I actually almost would rather watch Crystal Skull than Temple of Doom. Maybe probably watch Crystal Skull than Te uh, Temple of Doom. But I, I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. There is no uh, fourth Indiana Jones movie. Um, that's a joke. Like I said, I, I'm actually not a crazy, terribly... Um, hater. I'm not a big hater of that movie. Um, but Last Crusade is, I don't really know. I just like the plot more. I think the the mysticism around it is cooler. Um, the villain is is uh, memorable. I think the fact that that woman betrays Indy is dramatic. I love Indy's father, and I actually think that adds a lot more heart to the story um, than just like action hero uh, girlfriend like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Although I think their chemistry is really good. Um, but I really like the inclusion of Sean Connery. I think he's funny. I think uh, the ending scene where Indy has to go to get the grail to save him is dramatic and good. Uh, and I also think that there's a little bit of like, uh, I guess a Han Solo kind of arc there. I remember I watched the movie again recently, and I guess I hadn't seen it since I was a lot younger. But I've realized there is this part of the movie that's kind of like, Indy's loyalty to archaeology versus loyalty to good and being good. And the villains have given, have basically sold their soul um, to uncover these secrets. Um, like the, the bad guy, Donovan, is clearly a bad guy and he wants the grail for power. Um, but uh, I think her name's Sylvia. Uh, I might have made that up. Um, but she is, a, is basically a crazed archaeologist that doesn't really agree with the Nazis but uh, has a passion for um, archaeology and would basically, again, like she sells her soul to get the grail. Uh, and in the end, she uh, 
she loses like her life um, because she's too greedy. Uh, and there's that moment where Indy, is, where Indy's falling off the same cliff that she just fell off, and her his dad grabs him, and Indy can choose to save the Grail or or be saved by his dad, um, and he obviously chooses to be saved by his dad. And again, it's nothing super deep, but like the little additions like that, I think make the movie more fun to watch, and they make you feel better when the movie's over. So, yeah, uh, I really like this sequel. I think it's cool that it was the third movie and not the second. Um, for whatever reason, I just think it, that is harder to pull off. Um, as evidently, uh, shown by my next movie, which is number nine, Toy Story three. Uh, this was, um, this is a really, uh, excellent sequel. Uh, Toy Story two is a good sequel. I don't think Toy Story two is better than Toy Story one. I think it's probably the worst one in the franchise. Um, but Toy Story three manages to take the characters we already love and find a place for all of them in this trilogy ender. Um, and it's a conclusion and it's, um, it jumps ahead a lot in time, uh, to when Andy's in college versus being a kid. And that adds a whole new perspective to the movie. Uh, and the nursery is a whole new setting and everything. Also, I love the villains. Um, that story is very sad and dramatic. Lotso and his, uh, old uh, kid that he used to have. Um, and it's just, it's hilarious. The voice acting's great. The animation's great. Uh, the ending is, whew, the ending is perfect for Toy Story. Um, the, it's uh, the scene where Andy shows his toys to uh, Bonnie and relives his childhood again, kind of with all of us, um, even though I wasn't really old enough. But obviously that movie was made for the Toy Story fans that are now in Andy's position. Um, Versus when they saw the old Toy Story movies. And it's a really heart-wrenching scene. And those characters have become so iconic. Um, but again, that scene reaffirms the sticking together, leave no one behind um, essence of Toy Story as a whole. Um, and if anything, it manages to be a little new while also reinforcing the themes of Toy Story that we already know and love in a really new and dramatic way. Especially with the scene where they um, are going to go into that fury, uh, hellscape and they hold hands. It's kind of, you know, dark and morbid, but it's a, it's a really good finisher. And I think again, both adults and kids can watch that movie and enjoy it. Um, obviously something that Pixar is really good at. Um, but it succeeds at what I think a lot of other Pixar sequels fail at, like Incredibles 2 or Finding Dory, which is, it is, Finding Dory and The Incredibles 2 feel like um, they just took the same characters and put them in a new story rather than a new story was they thought of a new story and they had to fit the characters into it and it and it um, and the story obviously has to fit with the franchise but I just like um, I, if you can give me a moment to kind of shit on Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory here especially Finding Dory. I think those movies are, are kind of lame, and, and uh, I like The Incredibles, too. I think it's a good movie, but it nowhere near elevates the characters in the way that Toy Story does, Toy Story 3 does. Um, so maybe a little nonspecific, but I think most of you will get my meaning. Uh, number eight is Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol. 
this is not the best movie in the tr- in the series anymore. I think Fallout officially beat that. Although Ghost Protocol holds a special place in my heart. I don't know. I've seen it a lot of times. I remember seeing it in the theater after doing like a film festival, as my dad calls them, uh, of the three Mission Impossible movies that came before it. And I remember when we saw Ghost Protocol and we were like, whoa, that was nothing like the other three. And we really like the other three. I mean, Mission Impossible 1 is a really cool spy thriller. Um, Mission Impossible 2 is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, And Mission Impossible 3 is fun and good. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is great. And it's like kind of a tense movie from what I remember. Other than that, I really don't remember much else. Uh, But then the next three came out and I didn't put... Rogue Nation or Fallout on this list because Ghost Protocol started this new era for Mission Impossible that really ushered in the direction of the next two and um, put them back in our world. And those three, the second trilogy, as I call it, is better, I think, than the first trilogy now. Um, I mean, Mission Impossible 1 is pretty timeless, but in terms of like watchability and how fun the movies are, the second three are really, really good. And, you know, make it keep the thriller aspect, keep Tom Cruise is obviously still great. Um, but they add like these crazy stunts and they just really modernize the movies in a way that they should be. Um, and I think a lot of action franchises are doing that well nowadays. I think in terms of creating action, that's really well done and fun. Um, instead of kind of heartless, like some blockbusters do. Um, I think John Wick is a great example of, of, uh, good, well done action. Uh, I think the new James Bond movies have, you know, that franchise is the forefront of action thriller movies. Um, and uh, they've done a pretty good job so far of modernizing themselves and managing to stay relevant. And not only like um, following the guidelines for good action in movies nowadays, but also kind of setting the guidelines and paving a new path as they should because they've always been uh, at the forefront, uh, that franchise and Mission Impossible again kind of showed its place uh, again and became a new industry standard, I think, for stunts and um, fun spy movie. So great sequel. Uh, number seven is uh, Toy Story 4, which you'll notice I kept mentioning Toy Story 3 is a perfect ending um, to the Toy Story franchise, which probably made you think I hate Toy Story 4 because I wouldn't even mention it. But no, I just didn't want to give away the fact that I personally think Toy Story 4 might be a better sequel than Toy Story 3. Because of how highly I talked about Toy Story 3 as a conclusion for the trilogy, Toy Story 4 follows it up and manages to... I, I, I'm not quite sure how to describe it. I, I don't think it's... I'm not sure if it's a better movie than Toy Story 4, but the fact that it comes out as good and as special as all the other Toy Story movies are to me, and it came after a movie that already ended the series perfectly, somehow elevates it above Toy Story 3 as the sequel. Um, A lot of people describe Toy Story 4 as an epilogue. Uh, I would agree it's a really Woody-centric film, and not really as much of an ensemble film of the characters we all already know. Um, I will admit Buzz gets kind of weirdly sidelined, although he has his moments in the movie. Uh, Jesse and the rest of the gang definitely get sidelined. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the voice actors died, um, like for Mr. Potato Head. And I think, well, no, I might be making that up. Um, but, uh, I think they're in the movie a perfect amount, actually. Um, you still get that really emotional goodbye at the end, which, oh my God, is really emotional. And also... 
a really important story, I think, for Woody's character and for people, I think, at some point to understand. I mean, Toy Story has always been about um, no one gets left behind. Stick to your friends no matter what. And then at some point there's like, well, there is a limit to that. Like, when do you start to, when your purpose has been fulfilled and it's time for you to move on in life somewhere, um, is it the right thing to leave your friends, like, for that greater purpose? And it's like, yeah, your priority should be yourself. It should be to your to your loves and your passions and for your own freedom, um, which was a really moving story to me. Um, and really hit me hard, and I, and I just really like Toy Story 4 a lot. The animation, obviously, is beautiful. I think it's above... I think Coco came out, like, two years before that movie, and Toy Story 4 looks like it's 15 years ahead of uh, Coco. Um, plus, uh, again, the music is still great. Um, there's a lot of new, really lovable characters. I love Ducky and Bunny. I love uh, Duke Kaboom. Bonnie, uh, not Bonnie, um, Bo Peep as one of the main characters in this movie was a really interesting choice and it fits really well with the story. Even though it's kind of weird to see her position as compared to the first two movies where she's kind of just like this uh, flirty doll that Woody has around. That obviously is one of his friends, but um, it is kind of interesting to see how they worked her character into this greater story. And it works, I think. Um, especially because part of the idea is that she's a new character because she's lived this life on her own now for like 10 years and she's become this badass and uh, it's great. Um, the whole movie is really well done. Uh, and I think it's a just really well done. Um, I, I mean, I want to say I hope, but I don't know, maybe prove me wrong. Uh, it's a really good epilogue and concluder. And it is, goes to show that I think sequels can do more than a build on a movie, B conclude a franchise. It can somehow not fit in with either, but managed to be still a two-hour spectacle that fits in with the franchise really well. Um, right now, the only other thing I could think of that does something like that is El Camino, which uh, was good. I, I wouldn't say, actually, it's as good of a quote-unquote epilogue as Toy Story 4 was. Um, but, you know, sometimes it is fun to revisit what made a series so great. Toy Story 3 came out, I don't know, nine years before 4 did. And... Uh, it's fun to revisit the series and, and revisit the time when you were really enjoying um, a franchise or a series like Breaking Bad or Toy Story, which is funny to talk about at the same time because they're both really different. Um, but the epilogue, there's a, there's a sweet spot where a character kind of gets this piece focused on them, like Jesse or Woody, and um, Jesse from Breaking Bad, not Jesse from Toy Story. Um, and finishes the movie, finishes their story uh, on its own in a in a really meaningful way without concluding the franchise as a whole, if you know what I mean. Um, so it's a fun, it's a really interesting dichotomy between character and story. Um, okay, I've talked enough about that movie. Um, number six is Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Uh, this maybe should be higher for some people. Uh, I know a lot of people say, and maybe me included, say this is the greatest trilogy of all time. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a obviously really good movie. It's my favorite of the three Lord of the Rings. And I think that's only because it's the last movie and it manages to somehow just beat out the spectacle of the other two and live up to the hype that was generated by the other two. And not many third movies in a trilogy can do that. 
and it really cements its place as one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, I, I hesitate to put it higher because in terms of a new direction, I don't think it adds much. I think it does a lot of the same as the other two movies, but better, um, and really rounds out the story of the first two. Um, I also hesitate to put it higher because it is based on a book. Um, that being said, Peter Jackson, I mean, the, everything about this movie is done right. The characters, the music, um, the acting, uh, the direction. It's it's really interesting. I was talking about this with my brothers the other day. The movie doesn't end with Aragorn fighting Sauron. I think they were mentioning to me that was like an idea before that Sauron himself would come out of the Black Gate and Aragorn and him would fight in this big Hollywood moment. But something about those movies manages to tread the line between fantastical and really realistically human um, in the way that it portrays war. And, um, you know, it wouldn't really have felt right if, uh, if there was this big Hollywood fight. I think it's well done. I mean, I think that kind of happens between Eowyn and the Witch King. Um, I am no man, one-liner, and then stabbing him. But that's also an amazing moment, and I'm not going to shit on that. Uh, and also, it's it's like not the main character of the movie that happened to get his big one-on-one -on -one final battle. It's this character that was introduced a movie ago, um, and got uh, and gets this spotlight shown on her um, in the middle of the fight after her father dies. And and it's like it makes sense to me. It makes more sense than Aragorn fighting Sauron. And also, you still get this really climactic, dramatic duel between Frodo, Gollum, and Sam. And I love that that fight inside Mount Doom. And it's just, it's a really good finisher. And I cry at the end of it every time, uh, <laughs> um, which might not be the greatest criteria for a lot of movies, because a lot of you know that I cry at, like, everything. Um, never cry in real life, but I cry at movies all the time. <laughs> um so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much more I have to say about it. It's just a really good ender or conclusion. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great sequel. So uh, number five, which is kind of weird, um, is Terminator 2. I've only seen Terminator 1 or Terminator 2. I've heard that the, uh, the rest of them are really not memorable. Um, I put this movie, this movie is a special place in my heart because... Um, in terms of that criteria I said about bringing the franchise to new heights, um, Terminator 1 is a fine, like, it's a, obviously an iconic uh, kind of neo-horror movie, um, like 80s noir kind of thing. Uh, has a really cool vibe to it, and the Terminator is scary. Um, that being said, when I finished it, I was like, okay, that was a good action movie. Um uh, honestly, I'd say something like Total Recall is more uh, memorable than that movie. Um, but uh, Terminator 2 is just like, it elevates it again. Like, it changes the direction. It makes Arnie the good guy instead of the bad guy, which is just really fun to watch if you watch the entirety of the first movie. Um, the new Terminator, uh, played by Patrick, uh, I forgot, Robert Patrick, I think his name is. Um, he's great, and his character, his Terminator is also like, New technology, like the liquid, is really cool to see. And um, the relationship between John and um, Arnie as the Terminator is really heartwarming. And at the end, when the Terminator kills itself, it's like, 
it's really uh, dramatic and it's sad. And I'm like, wow, I never thought you'd get me to care about um, this character or any of these new characters. I mean, it has so many new characters. I mean, not really so many, but three, which are the central parts of the movie, which is the T-800, I think that's Arnie, and then T-1000, which is Robert Patrick, and then uh, John Connor, uh, who's a, you know, a snarky but kind of like lovable kid. Um, and then Linda Hamilton's Sarah Connor, who's completely changed from the first movie. Uh, in the first movie, she's this helpless woman who's had to be helped by Kyle Reese the whole time. And in the second movie, she's a badass. And um, her trauma from the Terminator makes total sense. And her relationship with John is really complicated. Um, and I really think that's really interesting. And it's just like it adds so much depth to the characters in the franchise um, that you get out of the satisfaction of seeing the first movie. Um, it, there's nothing about this movie that's, it's a good movie, definitely a good movie on its own, but it's so much elevated by the fact that the first movie is so simple and, um, it almost feels like you're in on like an inside joke that the whole movie is like tailored for people who saw the first movie and that it's so new. Um, and also to see like, you know, the resistance hero that the first movie, um, John Connor, uh, lays out to see him as like this kid. Um in the second movie. So I'm getting excited talking about it, but I really think it's just a really well done sequel. Um, and it's way better than the first one, which is criteria enough for me. Uh, so, um, also, you know, the whole Dyson, uh, uh, Cyberdyne, the beginnings of the Terminator, uh, the arm from the first movie and everything. It's, it's so fun and a great action. It's more, definitely more action than horror, but the, other Terminator is still pretty scary, um, but it's like really sci-fi-ish too. It hits all the right notes for me. Um, it's disappointing that I feel like the other movies don't even have close to that level of creativity. Um, I haven't really seen another Terminator model that's been as interesting as um, Robert Patrick's Terminator is. Um, they're all kind of just like liquidy. I guess some of them have like cloud or not cloud, but like they're, they like to turn into a cloud of like nanobots or whatever. But I don't know. Uh, that being said, I haven't seen them, but I really have heard they're nothing special. Uh, number four, uh, it's the only MCU movie on my list, but uh, it's still probably my favorite MCU movie, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, this movie I would put on here because in terms of elevating the direction of the series... Uh, simply put, like, it's just so different from the first movie by virtue of it being set in the modern era versus World War II. But Cap is still very much the same character. Um, and it's even, you know, new, new directors and everything. Um, the Russos, which was their first movie, and they went on to do some really great stuff for Marvel. Um, but uh, this movie is, is great partially just because I'm just such a huge fan of Cap, but the movie made me a Cap fan because um, it shows, like, you know, that character we know from the first movie that is fighting for good and evil, and that's very clear to him at the time. You know, there's Nazis in America, um, and already that movie made him a really virtuous and uh, lovable character. Um, and then Winter Soldier comes out and it's like puts us in the modern era and it's like a really realistic kind of political thriller with its fair share of Marvel, um, you know, effects and whatever. But none of the villains or uh, characters look that out of place in terms of 
technology that's kind of around nowadays. Um, and it puts Hydra into this, you know, Hydra is not a mustache twirling, um, red skull led organization anymore. No, it's, it's like our own organization. It's infiltrated the U S and shield. And, um, and now it's like interesting cause it's like, Oh, the lines are not clearly as drawn anymore. Uh, who is good and who's evil. And even someone like black widow who is on the good side, obviously has this, uh, philosophy of not to trust anyone. And for Steve, like that's hard to do because he's just such like a good natured person. So the movie has a lot of depth to it. Um, it introduces some really good characters. Nick Fury is really good in the movie. Alexander Pierce is awesome. Black Widow is obviously awesome. Uh, the twist that Hydra is inside shield was really cool for a lot of people. Um, and also the commentary about modern day, like intelligence and, uh, uh, like data, uh, um, uh, procurement from the government and spying and stuff. And uh, it's again, like a really good, and Marvel's really good at this, but like a great popcorn flick in the sense that like when cap gives that speech again, uh, about freedom versus security, um, which is at the core of Captain America, what his character becomes about, um, and the principles of uh, America and freedom and liberty. Um, again, just talking about it gives me goosebumps and I love Captain America so much. Um, but uh, when that kid says Captain's Orders, it's like just such like a, oh, everyone is so into it. All the characters are so likable. Um, and then at the end, uh, obviously, it's funny I don't mention this, but uh, Bucky being the Winter Soldier is a big part of this movie too, which thematically works. Um, I think Marvel doesn't do, I mean, these whole movies, Marvel uh, kind of struggles with making the audience really care about Bucky. Uh, and I think it's emotional in the movie, but it's nowhere near my favorite parts of the movie. Um, that being said, it has some of the best choreography and action I've ever seen in a action movie. Uh, the highway fight scene is amazing. And just like that one hand to hand moment between him and the winter soldier is crazy. And, um, it's just like, it's part of why the movie's so good. And obviously there's nothing like that we saw in other Marvel movies or maybe even action movies at that point yet. So the Russos really brought their own kick and flavor to the movies that are really well done. Um, and I think it's hard to place other Marvel movies like as sequels in there, obviously. That's why I only put one. Uh, I even struggle putting Endgame or Infinity War in there. I think Infinity War could be put as one of the best sequels. I don't think Endgame could, but, um, well, I don't know. It needs, I need time to think about it, but this is what came to mind first. And I still think it does it better than a lot of other Marvel movies. Uh, speaking of Marvel movies, not MCU, but personal favorite of mine, uh, number three, Spider-Man 2, uh, 2004. Um, this is, I'm putting this on the list simply. I've seen it a lot. It's a really, uh, it's a, this trilogy as a whole really touches me from childhood. Um, but Spider-Man 2 also is considered still, I think, one of the best superhero movies. Um, it was made in an era where superhero movies did not really saturate the market. I think it was uh, this movie and uh, X-Men really set the stage for the first era of superhero movies. Um, and then uh, Fantastic Four, you know, all these other ones started happening. And sequels, and it kind of got bogged down and got a bad reputation. But this is still, I think, from the golden era of that first era of superhero movies. And Spider-Man 2, in terms of that movie that really makes you feel for the characters and still is my favorite kind of superhero movie... Um, 
I think like it's really effective still to make a character that just wants to do good and kind of has a piece of us inside of them. Or, I'm sorry, we have a piece of them inside of us, and that's really well done through Captain America and Spider-Man, who are just, you know, Spider-Man clearly is like the everyman, um, who is like a kid that we all were. He has responsibility, and it's growing, and he has new powers as from puberty and, and a girlfriend, and, and uh, it's a really good metaphor. It's a timeless metaphor. Um, you know, he's shooting webs out of himself and stuff because he's got, like, fluids coming out of him. Um, and Spider-Man one is, uh, it does that pretty well. It does that well. I like that movie. It's a good origin story. Um, and it's really, um, dated. Uh, and weirdly enough, Spider-Man two also is dated, but nowhere near the date, like, you know, the, the seemingly what the time period was for Spider-Man one, which is weird because they're only two years apart. Um, but Raimi still has his like directorial, um, uh, flavor on the movie, which is cheesy. Uh, the guy's like kind of a cheesy director, but it um, it doesn't seem totally dated to me anymore. Um, I still think the movie is beautiful. I think the effects are really good. Um, the action's really good, but overall it takes the character from Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man in general and does like a really good character study about what it means to be a hero, um, prioritizing yourself over your responsibilities and... Uh, um, the plot line about him losing his powers because he doesn't believe or want to be Spider-Man anymore is, I guess, weird, but everyone's just, like, really on board with it because it's really well done. And it's, you know, he's not Spider-Man for, like, a good significant portion of the movie. So when he comes back at the end, it's like, it really hits you. Um, it's not like The Amazing Spider-Man 2 at all where he's not Spider-Man for five minutes at the end of the movie and then he comes back and I'm just kind of like, well, okay, I knew that was going to happen. Um, Doc Gock is a really good villain. Alfred Molina really elevates the character, I think. Um, and uh, it's very cheesy again. But again, I think the movie's like kind of deep. Um, it really hits all the right notes in terms of a good Spider-Man story that makes people feel for the character um, in ways before a movie like Homecoming or Far From Home was doing, where the character simply looks so young that we are like, in, he's just like super endearing. But uh, Spider-Man 2 about balancing your responsibilities and having him watching his life fall apart is dramatic and it's it makes me feel for the character and it's just a really well done movie um, and a great sequel. It, again, elevates the first movie in ways beyond it without like making it too much of a spectacle. It's just like a really good um, story for the character. So that's that. Uh, Spider-Man 2, I'm sorry. Number two is uh, The Dark Knight. I don't think I could get through this list without putting The Dark Knight on here. Um, it's, uh, so, okay. I hesitate to put this at number one just because I feel like it's almost a movie, and I guess Spider-Man 2 kind of is like this too, but that's also why it was at number three. Um, it's a movie that feels like it's so disconnected from the first movie that it almost doesn't feel like a sequel, but it takes the direction of, the franchise and just makes it way better. I think it's really weird that Chris Nolan did Batman Begins and The Dark Knight because they really feel like they were made by different directors. Uh, Batman Begins really feels more like a typical superhero flick. Um, I like that movie a lot. Uh, but then Dark Knight came out and people were like, didn't even know that superhero movies could be like this. I mean, it's, it's a crime thriller that happens to have Batman in it. And I've always described it that way. But it just makes the movie like so much more interesting. 
and uh, doesn't really paint it as like a comic book movie. Um, and I hesitate to call it that because it is more of a movie that feels like, I want to say like, I don't know. It just feels like a combination of other directors because it's like, obviously is a comic movie in the sense that it has supervillains like the Joker and Two-Face and obviously heroes like Batman. But they feel like really well done uh, psychopath villains that have like a, a, a shtick um, in any other like crime thriller movie. But they also feel like Batman villains. And it's just a really, it really balances that well. And not to mention the movie's like a really like deep uh, uh, analysis of like society and principles and heroism. And it, it really, it, I think it almost like it went 20 years ahead of an analysis of superhero movies before the superhero era really came about, like in terms of painting a hero that isn't really a hero um, and that people is a hero to people because he'd rather not be. Um, it's really complicated and, and deep. And uh, it feels like a post commentary on superhero movies before superhero movies even really get started to get started. I mean, this came out, I think, the same year as Iron Man. Um, and uh, so, again, it's just like a really, it's really ahead of its time. The music's amazing. The acting is incredible. Um, the action's still pretty good. I wouldn't say it's one of the best parts of the movie. But, you know, you get like, it, it definitely, like I said, it's like a, it's like a crime thriller with Batman in it, but it definitely hits all the Batman notes. It has gadgets. It has um, cool suit, uh, cool fighting um the mob and stuff and i guess it does like it follows the story of batman begins pretty well but it just completely drops like Ra's al ghul and some of the mysticism around um batman begins and it even recasts uh rachel which really just makes it feel like it's not in the same world but it's uh it's a great movie um it's it's more than a great movie it's one of the best movies i think um of the 21st century so far. <laughs> um, a lot of people would put it as their best movie of all time right now, or have they seen? Uh, my number one is probably unsurprising. I feel like it's kind of cheap, uh, but it's The Empire Strikes Back. Um, again, this is my favorite list. It's not the best list. Um, so I know that these movies are biased based on how I feel about them. And honestly, for the future and for most of my list, I'm trying to refrain from putting Star Wars on my movies, on the list with movies. Um, because, like I said, Star Wars is just like a religion for me at this point. It doesn't really fit in with movies. I can't really rank it categorically. But I think it's fair to say that this is objectively one of the best sequels ever made. Um, I really don't know if I put it at one. Uh, I'm putting it at one because it's my favorite. And it's also, again, definitely a significant sequel in the history of movies. Um, like I said, uh, my recommendation, if you want to really understand the impact of this movie is to watch, uh, the documentary empire of dreams. It's on Disney plus, but it, uh, it really puts into perspective. I mean, a new hope blew people away, the world, um, the mythology, um, and, uh, the effects like, you know, it really, it, it, was nothing people had seen before. It was the highest grossing movie of all time when it came out. And it just, it was a cultural phenomenon. It's hard for, I think people like us understand. It's still, it's hard for me to understand really. Um, 
but it is like an Endgame moment, kind of, you know, like um, people, everyone was talking about Endgame when it came out. It feels a little different for us because we have phones and internet was much more, internet was a thing. Um, but I'm sure Star Wars, everyone was referencing Star Wars at school and um, in their office and talking about the characters and stuff. So when The Empire Strikes came out and it added this depth to a, f- a, a, a blockbuster that already had done something that people had never seen before. I mean, that's really hard. It's like capturing lightning in a bottle twice. Um, and I said in my last, in my first ranking, but bringing Irvin Kirshner on was one of the best decisions they ever made. Um, it took that mythology of the characters that already kind of drew people to it, of the wizard and the hero's journey. Um, and it elevated it and it brought in this philosophy about the force that was like almost a level of writing and philosophy and story that people had never seen before, other than just like effects and uh, this world, which it already, again, blew people, it, it, it uh, blew out of proportion in terms of new heights um, and new characters. Um, and then like, you know, and so every character has, an impor- has a really compelling story, Han Solo and Leia's love story. Um, Darth Vader clearly has this secret the whole movie. Um, Yoda teaching Luke about the Force, and then Luke going to uh, Bespin ahead of time to save his friends, even though he knows he might fail, as uh, Yoda says. And then he goes, and he gets maimed, and also gets this revelation that Darth Vader is his father. And it's a truth that he doesn't want to know, and it's just... I mean, that twist, not to mention, that twist is fucking incredible. And it's like, how much more crazy can this franchise get like you already blew us away with the first movie and then you bring us in with these characters you make the world more interesting you make the characters more likable you add this really interesting philosophy and then boom in universe story crazy twist and it's like holy shit and then this franchise which has taken the world by storm it's for kids it's i mean it's 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 capturing the minds of hearts and and of kids and adults and the second movie, it ends with them losing. And it's like, holy shit, how much more can you surprise us? And it turns out they can't really. Return of the Jedi doesn't, I think, live up to a lot of people's expectations. But The Empire Strikes Back is just fucking crazy in terms of all the ways that it blew people away. And I I have to give it crazy credit for that, objectively. Um, subjectively, I mean, I... I I have so much, obviously, Star Wars is my favorite thing in the planet, so elevated by that, like, it's just a really, it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies, and it's, uh, it's one of my favorite things in the planet. So, anyway, uh, that's my list. Um, thanks for listening. I am trying to keep this short. Uh, I might do video games or whatever soon. I'm not even sure any of you are listening. That's fine. This is fun to talk about anyway. Um, don't know if this will have intro music on it, but anyway. Uh, enjoy your uh, your quarantine day, guys.